Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. everybody and welcome to episode 33 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. I'm here with Justin Rosario. Again, we are sans Bob Seska. Um, so Justin, uh, it's it's just you and I today again. And uh, apologies we to our... We can do it, man. We can do it. <laughs> apologies to all of our listeners. Um, we, you know, it, it, uh, we're doing our best. I think we're, you know, um, we're holding the fort down okay without Bob. Bob, please come back. Please come back. The, the uh, famous and world-renowned Bob Seska. Bob Seska, yes, exactly. But we 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 struggle on. We'll continue. We'll keep going. But um, anyway, we have a <laughs> we have a we have a, a great show for you today. Um, not a happy show. Uh, when when is when do we do happy shows, Justin? I don't know. Do I don't we know. Have we shows? ever done a happy show? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not in America. You know, not when you were talking about American politics. It's pretty pretty grim. Um, but so we're actually going to be. D- discussing today uh we've got the uh, you know the breaking news that boris johnson has resigned as prime minister um that was that was huge news this week we're going to be discussing that and why republicans could learn a thing or two from conservatives about how to deal with um stubborn megalomaniac leaders who won't go who who don't like going or who want to stay in power we're going to be talking about the July 4th mass shooting in Highland Park, Chicago. Uh, we're going to also discuss the news that the Biden administration did not, um, uh, they resisted calling the Roe versus Wade o- overturning by the Supreme Court a public health emergency, why that was not a good idea. And then we're going to move into our both sides segment. We have some um, extreme examples again when do we not have extreme examples on our both yeah, seriously sides? yeah it, it segment it's it's terrible and then um in the members only section today we're going to go a little bit off piste and we're going to be discussing cryptocurrencies and um justin is going to ask me why i'm into crypto and uh despite why why, <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, yeah so i'm going to do my best i'm actually um i wouldn't say I, i'm an expert but i have a great interest in cryptocurrency and i think it's not what people think it is so I'm going to attempt, attempt to explain myself to Justin uh, and explain why you should, at the very least, be paying attention to it. So anyhow, without further ado, let us get into episode 33. So this week, Boris Johnson resigned as prime minister in the UK. And this Boris is Johnson off. and his bad haircut. Yeah, and his terrible haircut. And uh, so I'd been following this, obviously, for the, the past few weeks when it started to look bon- um, Johnson's sort of position as prime minister starting to look very, very, very dicey because there were just scandal after scandal after scandal. And um, the most the most recent crisis uh, in Westminster was to do with one of um, Johnson's colleagues is a guy called Chris Pincher who was the deputy chief whip uh, and for those of you who don't know what a the, the uh, whip is in um, the whipping system in the UK it's basically 
the person who's the whip ensures that members of whichever party it was attend and vote in parliament uh, in line with what the party leadership wants, right? So uh, this guy, Chris Pincher, was the deputy chief whip. So he was responsible for like rounding up people in the party and making sure that they voted in line with what Johnson and, and the leadership wanted. So he, uh, this guy faced multiple counts of sexual harassment and groping and things like that. And um, Johnson uh, had initially denied that he knew anything about the allegations until it, it became clear that he did. So this is just another one in a long line of Johnson scandals of having illegal parties in, in, the, in the Downing Street office during the coronavirus lockdown where he was fined. Um, this is when people were, you know, being banned from, they weren't allowed to visit dying family members, but Johnson was having parties and uh, breaking lockdown rules that he himself had set. So there's just been one thing after the other. And Johnson is known as being a kind of just, he just lies. He lies as easily as he, as he breathes. Right. And, and it's sort of, you know, you, you, most politicians lie or they distort the truth. Right. But Johnson just took, took it to a completely different level of dishonesty and his and own. He did his, that. And he did that. But that's how he got into office in the first place. Yes. yes. I mean, he, that's, he wrote in on Brexit lying through his teeth. And then afterwards he was like, Oh, well, it's not my problem now. Yeah, I, right, exactly. I mean, Brexit, he just, him and his merry band of Brexiteers just lied and lied and lied about Brexit, about what it would do for the, the economy, um, you know, uh, how great it would be for all sectors of the of the British industry. Uh, and it hasn't. Obviously, it's been a disaster, right? Yeah, it's the, been an you, absolute disaster. And that's been, if you don't pay attention to uh, British politics, you can tell, you can know it's a disaster. Yeah, it's been, it's been terrible, right? And, um, Anyway, but Johnson sort of, you know, he mud- he lied his way through that. Um, I wouldn't say he's been pati- he's it's not been a total disaster. He's done some things well, like the rolling out of the vaccine, uh, and they had a, a very very good vaccine campaign during the coronavirus um, during the pandemic during the peak of the pandemic. But nevertheless, he he sort of fucked it up early on as well. He almost killed himself by getting coronavirus and not taking it seriously. Uh, so, um, you know, he's not Trump, uh, it's not Trump level disaster, but, but, but not good. Uh, I don't think you can really compare him to Trump. A lot of people like to compare him to Trump, but he's a different beast to, to, to Trump. He really is. Um, he's his own beast and, uh, not a good one. And I'm glad that he's gone, but it, it, it kind of, it opens up a, a, you know, vacuum in the leadership. So Johnson is, is sticking around as caretaker government for the next couple of months. So we've got, uh, there'll be a leadership contest where you've got um, people in the running are Nadim um, Zahawi, who's the uh, newly appointed Chancellor of the Exchequer. You've got Liz Truss, who's the uh, the Foreign Secretary, Rishi Sunak. And um, and uh, you've got Sajid Javid and Jeremy Hunt and another guy who is a hardline Brexiter called Steve Baker. Those are the likely front runners for the leadership contest for, you know, for the sort of um, internal leadership contest that the Tories are going to have. So that's all to look forward to. I don't know what this means for, uh, you know, the future, whether this means that Labour, like the Labour Party is is in, currently in a state, like it's Keir Starmer is much, is a much better leader than Jeremy Corbyn was, but Labour is still coming back from one of the most spectacular defeats in, in, in history, right? The last general election, like Labour got just absolutely smashed under Jeremy Corbyn, who was a, a disaster. 
So Starmer's doing a pretty good job of cobbling Labour back together again and getting rid of the hardline leftists. Uh, so I don't know whether that means that you know Labour's destined to kind of win the next general election, but um, you know the political landscape in Britain has changed quite quite significantly. Like with Boris Johnson gone, now he looked like he kind of looked unbeatable about a year ago. You, you know Johnson, he would just survive scandal after scandal after scandal, and I couldn't see a way of getting rid of him. You know, he, he'd won a big mandate, um, well, his party had won a big mandate in the last general election. So, and then Boris Johnson kept saying this, you know, he claimed he, in the week, in the days leading up to his resignation, he was saying that, you know, he wasn't going to go because he'd got a colossal mandate, as a quote, colossal mandate uh, in the last general election. So, I, but I think he kind of misread his own position, right? He misread the fact that, you know, he's not, we don't have a presidential uh, uh, system in the UK, right? So Boris Johnson he himself doesn't have a colossal mandate. His party has a colossal mandate. So right. I think and he it, kind it's, of... it, it's important to note that the reason he's leaving is because a good chunk of his party said, get out. And his cabinet just said, adios. And they quit. They resigned in protest. 50, yes. Yeah. They were that, literally... That's really important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. 50 ministers and aides, more than 50 ministers and aides resigned over, over his lies and incompetence. Right. Yeah, that contrast is, that to uh to Republicans who like, you know, ride or die with Trump even after yeah. the insurrection. Right. So few of them resigned. And I and I think, you know, for, for all of our American listeners, this is this is why we wanted to talk about this, right? Because it, it shows the sort of this is what happens in a stable democracy, like Britain is a stable democracy. Right? Um I mean, it's one of the most, it's probably, I would argue, probably the most stable democracy in, in, in the world. Um, you know, I'm not saying Britain is perfect, but it, it works, right? Generally speaking, you know, it, it's, a demo- it, it's a very democratic system and it works. Uh, and there's very little sort of, you know, the, the extremes in British, pol- there aren't many extremes, right? So unlike, let's say, like France, where the far right is now uh, extremely, Le Pen, Marine Le Pen is extremely significant in France. You know, she she um, she's up there. She's now a major political player. I mean, literally half the, like 40% of the country of the voting population uh, supports a kind of a quasi-fascist leader. So in the UK, it's, it's a lot more moderate, right? So you don't have, like, even the Conservatives, so Boris Johnson would be regarded as probably a Democrat in, in the US. Um, so even, the, even like, the hardline Conservatives are not uh, anywhere near as... They're not crazy, not like the Republican Party. Like, the Republicans are bonkers. They would be regarded as fascist in the UK. Um, and the far left in the UK is not anywhere near as far left as, you know, a lot of other places in, in Europe. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty moderate centrist country. And it, there's, you know, trend, power when, there's a, when someone gets elected or when one party gets elected and the other party gets voted out, there's, there's you know, there are no violent coups. There are no insurrections. There are no, like, violent protests and people marching around with guns everywhere. Uh, it's a fairly orderly transition of power. And Johnson sort of dug his heels in, but his party essentially told him to bugger off. And that was, it was good to see, right? And it was good to see about, like, the Conservative Party is is a ruthless organisation. Ruth, absolutely brutal. And they, um, 
they deal with their leaders in 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 the same way that they deal with the opposition right like with with absolutely no compassion whatsoever like once they decided johnson had to go like he went that was it that was it that was it they 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 did him in they knifed him <laughs> right and uh i think republicans should be paying attention to this because i i, I would say probably at least 50% of elected republicans are, are aware of what, how bad it is. I'm aware of how toxic the Trump uh, Trump is, but they don't do anything because they're all terrified of him. Now, to be fair, um, the UK does not have the same threat um, against their elected officials that they do here. You know, like th- there's been more than one article that has quoted Republicans saying they're literally, I mean, literally afraid of their own base. Like, yeah, they, there's a there's a real possibility of being murdered by their own voters if they don't slavishly worship Trump yes. enough. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, they 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 they're okay with uh, Democrats being assassinated, but there's a very real threat of themselves being assassinated by their own voters, by their yeah. own voters, and that's not really the case in the UK. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that's a, that's an excellent point. That and 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 that you know the Repo- Republicans are. That's the only slack I'll give them. I get it. I get you know being terrified of your own. But that's the most degraded. Not, 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 not that that's just you feel bad for them because they built that. That's what yes. they built. That that's their own thing that they created, and now it's turned on them. And that's fuck them. You know, like. If if uh, tomorrow someone went and killed thirty Republicans, I would not shed a goddamn tear if it turned out to be one of them saying, "Oh, you guys are dinos and you have to be killed in name of Trump." I would sit back and just get the popcorn, saying, mm, "You had that coming, motherfuckers." You know, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't shed a tear, but just yeah. saying that's a reality here. <laughs> yes, yes, no, I, I I agree, and 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 I think that um and that one of the reasons why I wasn't actually that uh. Dis, you know, disheartened when Boris Johnson came into power, um, even though it was bad, right? Because they, the the public had, you know, David Cameron had um, had had this ridiculous vote, right, on on Brexit, on whether the UK should should uh, like a referendum on whether the UK should leave the the EU, which was just stupid. Um, so we, we had this referendum. The UK decided to leave, uh, voted in favour of leaving. Boris Johnson sort of you know, he helmed the kind of Brexit, um, uh, the whole Brexit movement. He was one of the major figures in the Brexit movement. But the one good thing I would say about Johnson was that he wasn't extreme. He wasn't extreme. There were some Brexiters who were like, you know, completely nuts, like really completely nuts, who who wanted a hard Brexit, like no negotiating with the EU. Let's just leave, cut, cut our losses and get out of there. And, you know, ride off into the sunset and do a big trade deal with the US and Donald Trump and you know lots of whichever countries in Asia would 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 talk to us uh, and Australia um and anybody who sort of looked into the, the 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 practicality of this would see very quickly that this was insane um that you weren't going to get a big trade deal out of the US the US would probably screw us quite badly uh and so would anybody else dealing with us because we'd be desperate and we'd have no uh, yeah, be, leverage you have no negotiating position yeah we have no exactly no negotiating position at all um so 
I was kind of quite glad that Boris Johnson was there to keep the heart. He was sort of this kind of middleman, right, where he could keep the hardliners in check. Um, but he would also be, and he was also like a big, you know, he wasn't a um, an austerity conservative as well, right? So he he believed in kind of using the government to invest in public health and education and whatnot. And he wasn't a Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> no, he wasn't a Margaret Thatcher. He wasn't a David Cameron. David Cameron was an austerity. You know, he he basically led Britain through ten years of of extreme austerity measures. It was devastating to the UK. Uh, Boris Johnson wasn't. You know, he wasn't one of those kind of Tories. I didn't agree with him on Brexit, but I could deal with. I understood that he was keeping the lo- the real lunatics out of power. Uh, so, in in that sense, I kind of thought, you know, he's better the you know better the devil you know. I, I suppose like you can you could at least deal with him, and he he managed to negotiate a Brexit withdrawal that wasn't horrific to, to the UK. It was still bad, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. Um, now he's gone. I don't know who you know who who knows who we're going to get, but we're out of Europe now, so the Brexiters don't have as much sway as they once did. Uh, so it's very interesting times in the UK, and um, I do think that uh, it, you know that the US should be looking to the UK to see how th- these things are done. Right, where even when you do have political turmoil, it doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be as contentious as it is over here. Uh, but you know, again, getting back, you know, going back to the US and our, our, you know, our general sort of, sort of take on what's happening in the US is that we're now engaged in a, in a, in a civil war, right? It's just one side doesn't really know that we're in that civil war. Um, where you compare it to the UK, where it's just, it's kind of politics as normal. It's pretty savage in the UK, but it's not spilling out into violence. And, uh, and that's a good thing, you know, so I'm kind of proud of my country for, for, um, <laughs> for having an orderly transition of power. Uh, Boris Johnson isn't out yet, but I, I would, you know, I, you don't I'm expect waiting. there to be a last minute, a coup attempt. No, 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 no. Who, who, who he doesn't No, He he's not riling up any fascists in the street, right? Boris Johnson isn't, an, isn't an eaten, educated, Oxbridge educated elite. Right, he he doesn't uh, the the co- the common man. He has no sort of affinity with the, with the common man. You mean he's you know? not even going to throw ketchup at the wall? Right, no. What exactly. kind of world leader is he? Is, <laughs> My God! Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a sissy in uh, in in uh, in Trump. What a terms. beta. What yeah, a what a be- what a beta mo. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so anyway, moving moving on from the UK political scene, uh, we're going to go move to America, where we had uh, July fourth weekend and another mass shooting in Harlem Park, Chicago. So uh, there was a, this mass shooting took place in the Independence Day Parade in Harlem Park, Illinois. The shooting occurred uh, in the morning. Um, it was about 10.15 in the morning and 15 minutes after the parade had started and seven people were, sh- were killed and 46 others were wounded by gunfire or injured in, in, during the sort of, uh, the, during the chaos. So uh, look, so the the guy who's responsible uh, is a local rapper, apparently, who posted songs and violent content all over social media beforehand. Um, he used the Smith and Wesson to to kill these people. This is just another incident, long line of mass shootings in in America, which are getting kind of I, I don't know. It's getting kind of unbearable now. Uh, we were listening to the fireworks. We were in, it, we're, you know, just outside of DC where we live, and. You, you hear with these fireworks and, and you just think now my mind, you know, my mind is like, is that a gun or is that fireworks? You never know anymore. 
Mm. Right. And, and I think it's just another sign of just how broken the the American political system is that they can't do anything about this. You just we there's nothing to be done, right? Well, that, there's, there's two things two things um, of note about this one. One Highland Park. See, everyone, I know a lot of people were immediately rushing. Oh, it's Chicago, it's Chicago, it's Chicago, right? That's it. Just happens all the time in Chicago. Blah blah blah. Chicago, right? Because that's that's um that that's Republicans speak for black people, right? Because that's all they think Chicago is. Mm. Uh, this was Highland Park. Highland Park is rich as fuck. Highland Park is not downtown Chicago. Highland Park, and and I mean, it's been all over Facebook, but I mean, that's where they filmed um, a whole bunch of movies. Like, you know, I think it was Ferris Bueller, 16 Candles, Risky Business. Like, this is not, you know, urban Chicago. This is richy rich neighborhoods with really like million plus dollar houses okay mm. so this was this was you know people rolling down the streets with their mercedes and bmws and high-end teslas so i mean someone listen this was like one of the hundred richest cities in the country which makes makes the point that no place is safe right there's no place you can go that is safe yeah um so that's important to note it is not just poor neighborhoods and minority neighborhoods that get shot up anymore it's everywheres um yeah. i mean look we had on friday i mean not, not not friday rather this was on wednesday um uh of this this last week uh i got someone texted me with um uh the middle school in our neighborhood was on um, it had a shelter in place order because they'd received a threatening voicemail um so yeah, that was another, you know, my, my, my kid was in Montessori, just, you know, it wasn't too close to it, but it, you know, my, my stomach churned, right? Literally my stomach just, like, it was, it was a horrible, horrible feeling to get that text that in our neighborhood, there was a shelter in place order because there, there was a, uh, you know, the police were investigating whether there was a credible threat. It turned out there wasn't, right? And generally speaking, our neighborhood is pretty safe, Um we're yeah, so's so's uh where we live but the kids uh, the middle school my kids go to it was on lockdown four maybe five times last year really from different threats either a bomb threat well not a bomb threat they would have evacuated the school but a gun threat nearby or someone threatening a gun threat nearby and it, it just it just keeps happening over and over and over mm. and that's in that's here in deep, deep, deep blue Northern Virginia. I mean, Alexandria was listed as one of the safest cities in the country a couple of years ago. And yeah. it just happens over and over and over. I can't even imagine what it's like in other parts of the country, how often they have to go in lockdown. I'm sure someone's doing studies on it, but I, I haven't looked because it probably just depressed the shit out of me. Yeah. I mean, it make, it really makes you sort of, I mean, I was talking about it with my wife um, yesterday that, that she went to the local the, the supermarket, right? And my kid, my four-year-old was, they, they have a sign saying no guns allowed inside. And my kid was like, you know, he looked at the sign and was like, oh, look, he's like, mommy, there's no, you know, no guns in here. Um, and I think it was just a, a bit of a sort of a moment um, where we kind of like, well, my wife was just like, I can't do this. Like, this is horrific. Like, what? What what kind of country am I bringing my kids up in? You know, um, it's pretty Fucking ridiculous. It's pretty yeah. It's it's pretty bad. And and the fact that 
th- there can be no movement on this until um y- you know until the supreme court is changed right the supreme court can just any anti-gun legislation any done by the states can be undone by the supreme court now right? and, they have, will. <laughs> and they will and they're going to do it right they're going to start to re- uh, all st- you know because maryland for example has got a f- is actually quite strict with gun control but they're going to f- and they're going to start finding all sorts of things unconstitutional uh, i can flipping guarantee it but um, i bet you'll never do it for dc no, DC. no. I bet they'll never make it so you can car- open carry in D.C. because that's where Republicans work and that's where the Supreme Court works and they'll never put themselves at risk like that. Right, of course, of course. Not their own, yeah, not themselves, not their own kids, all their kids going to private schools, probably, you know. Yeah, guns um, for thee, not for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, extremely depressing, you know. It's just every week now, you just expect a mass shooting every week now. Now, the the other thing about this shooting, I don't know how much you've heard about it, but um, there's there's more information coming about the shooter, whose name I'm not going to use, but um, it's becoming clearer that this was not just a lone wolf thing, and he wasn't just a disturbed individual, although clearly he was disturbed, but it's starting to look more and more like this kid was MAGA, and this was not just a random, you know, I just picked the neighborhood to shoot up. Highland um, Highland Park is very Jewish, uh, and this kid's father was MAGA, and he's got not a small number not a small number of pictures of himself at Trump rallies with Trump um, flags with Trump this that and the other. Um, there's a woman online, Rachel Watchstein. Watchstein. I'm sure I mispronounced that, but she's saying that you know she's an activist in that area and she's saying that this kid is part well he's not really a kid at this point this um but he's part of a group that has been consistently harassing um activists in that area with you know white nationalist crap and you know also you know sorts of uh bullshit like that for quite some time now and there's articles in local papers that show him at those rallies you know being an anti-protester so this is not he's got a history that they just haven't dug into yet. And they may not because, you know, the press, once they've decided that they have a narrative of, well, we don't know why this happened. They don't really want to dig into it anymore after that, because, you know, they don't want to talk about how he's, you know, they're Republicans or this may be racially motivated because it's easier not to lay this at the feet of Republicans because they can rarely ever lay it at the feet of Democrats and they don't like talking about it. Right, right, exactly. But exactly. we'll see. You know, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks because more of this shit's going to come out and you're not going to hear too much about it in the news because they're going to move on to the next gun tragedy. But Ugh. I'm going to keep an eye out for that shit because I want to know. Because mm. if this is more of the... This is more... This is more of the terrorism that they that the Republicans have been building for years. There's just right. more of it. This is right. what they want. Yeah, I mean, it's a, 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 like like I we argued last week um, that we're in, we are in a civil war. Just one side is is knows it's in a in a war. The other side doesn't. Um, yeah, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like exactly. So, I speaking of which, right? Look, we we. we going to go to um there was this week there was a story that that came out this week um on on friday actually that the biden 
team, this is a, a from Bloomberg Law, said the Biden team rejected emergency declaration over Roe Ro decision, right? So I'll quote the article. So the Biden administration considered declaring a public health emergency to preserve broad access to abortion services following the U.S. Supreme Court's decision last month to overturn Roe versus Roe versus Wade. But officials ultimately decided against the move, according to people familiar with the matter. Um, it goes on, the possible declaration was discussed between top officials at the Health and Human Services Department and the White House ahead of a June 28th news conference by Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, I think that's how you pronounce it. The people said, um, but officials set aside the idea due to concerns the impact wouldn't justify an inevitable legal battle. And on and on and on. So this this story broke on Friday. Um I think that this was, I tweeted about this and I said, my point was that the Biden administration should have, they should, absolutely should have declared a public health emergency, right? And and this is, a, this is an example of Democrats bringing a stern tweet to a gunfight. So I don't think there'd be any downside to the Biden administration declaring a public emergency over the overturning of Roe versus Wade for the sole reason that it is a public health emergency, right? It, it's a public health emergency uh, it's to, you're denying necessary healthcare to m- potentially millions and millions of of women around the country um, who are going to be basically forced to carry pregnancy, forced forced to carry pregnancies that they don't want, that are either risk to their health, they're too young to have the child. It doesn't really matter what the decision is. It's not anybody's right other than the woman who's pregnant, right? This has got nothing to do with anybody other than the woman who's pregnant. So yeah, I uh, think that. Yeah, the Biden, like, this is, Democrats need to get, they really need to get their head around this, right? That we're, this is not like a political fight. This is a civil war type of uh, situation. Um, And they really, really, really need to come to terms with this. Yeah, I, all right. So we discussed this before the show. There was a girl in Ohio. She was 10 years old and she got raped um, and she got pregnant and she had to leave the state in order to get an abortion because Republican Ohio's uh, Ohio Republicans were going to force her to have this baby. And I, and I, and I think back to Anastasia when she was 10, right? She, she's not a big girl, right? She's not, she's not that big now. And she was significantly smaller two years ago. And I'm thinking about what kind of physical damage carrying a, baby to term would have done to her 10 year old body she's 12 now and even now carrying a baby to term would be horrifically damaging to her body doesn't matter that she's physically capable of doing it it doesn't she it would just be horrendously damaging like pregnancy is extremely stressful on the human body it would be horrendously uh, damaging to her and the you know there's the psychological damage and then there's all the physical damage and they were going to do this to a 10 year old so it absolutely is a health emergency and what i don't understand is yes there absolutely would have been a court case and yes i'm sure it would have went to the supreme court but that's a fight worth having even if you lose it it's still a fight worth having it's like you force the supreme court to go out there and say fuck you, you cannot declare that a health emergency because we don't care that women are going to die. You force them to say that. You force them to say that, whereas before 
they would say, oh, well, we can't get involved in, uh, you know, presidential emergency declarations because we're Republican. You force them to say it. And if you, at the very, very, very least, use it as a crass political calculation and you use it in the midterms. Yeah. And you use it that way. And you, and if that's the very least, you weaponize it. Mm. And that's the thing. They're just, they're not looking at it. It's like you have it because it's the right fight to have. And if you, if you, you lose it, you pick it up, you pick up what's left, and you use it to beat Republicans over the head with like a cudgel. It's like yeah. Republicans are for making 10 year olds have children, and you beat them to death with it. Right. And, and that's, I think, the, the mindset that Democrats need to have going into the into the midterms and they need to have it now right so biden you know the biden administration they need to have something that they can go to democrats with and say hey look look what we're doing right we're taking this shit seriously yeah even a law can be a weapon yeah and that's all i think we want to hear from from our leaders right all that the left wants to hear from their leaders is that they are fighting right so it's it's uh, there was a you know bill maher say what you want about bill maher but i think he he some, he often tells Democrats truths truths that they don't necessarily want to hear, but that are probably good for them, right? So he he made a point. I think it was last week or two weeks ago um, about your 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 leaders should be like your lawyer, right? Like you know what I mean. You know you have a lawyer who's going to go and fight for you, right? That, and I think that's sort of what we want. We want our leaders to go out there and be like, I'm going to fight tooth and nail tooth and nail for this stuff right for abortion rights for women um for you know expanding healthcare access for you know uh reforming the police for whatever it is that we 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 want them to do we want them to go out there and actually fight for it like really 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 fight for it like trump style right just beat republicans up um and i think that that's how they're going to turn this around right if we if if the left sees enough Democrats fighting for a lot of these issues tooth and nail, uh, they'll get out and vote. Right. So right now I feel that they're in danger of, of that not happening. They're in danger of of being, you know, oh, we'll talk to them, we'll see what we can do, we'll see if there's a bipartisan solution we can have. No, there are no bipartisan solutions to anything anymore. Right? The Republican Party is at war with the country, they were at war with the left. It's time we realize that we're at war with them and just get on with having a, a good scrap and getting it in and let's see who wins. Right. And I think that if Democrats fight on these issues, that they're gonna win. Yeah, seriously. I mean, not for nothing. Republic the reason Republicans are doing what they're doing is because their opinion is such a minority of the country mm. and it's so opposed by such a large majority of the country that they have to destroy democracy. Otherwise, they'll never win anything and they can't pass any of their agenda because it's so deeply unpopular, even with a lot of their own voters. Right. So, you know, Democrats have to just stand up and say, we represent the majority. Fuck you. And actually act like that. Right, exactly. And I think enough of this sort of... We just do away with the pretense, right? There's no... There is no, there's no, there's nothing that we can really work on with Republicans anymore. You know, as long as they're the party of Trump, that's it. It's, it's like, it's, it's done. You know, um, it's you, we're fighting fascism, and that's it. And that's how we have to, that how that's how it has to be framed. Um, so look, uh, speaking of uh, insane fascists, I'm gonna go. We're gonna go into the both sides segment this week, and uh, I have uh, my pick this week 
is uh, delightful. I know it's kind of low hanging fruit, but whatever. Um, <laughs> this is the face. The face of the Republican Party now is it should be is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, so this is from Rolling Stone. So Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested Tuesday night on Facebook that the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park in Illinois was orchestrated by Democrats as part of an effort to convince Republicans to support gun control measures. This is a quote from Marjorie Taylor Greene. She, write, she said, two shootings on July 4th, one in a rich white neighborhood and another at a fireworks display, she said, also referencing two police officers who were shot non-fatally in Philadelphia. Green went on, it almost sounds like it's designed to persuade persuade Republicans to go along with more gun control. We didn't see that happen at all, uh, the pride parades in June, but as soon as we hit MAGA month, the month that we're all celebrating loving our country, we have shootings on July 4th. I mean, dot, dot, dot. Wow. What a a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) What an absolute piece of shit. And not for nothing... There was a bunch of stuff happening pri- uh, during Pride Month. I mean, the, what was it? The, the not pro- not the Pride Proud Boys, America. I don't know. One of those fucking groups. They they lo- loaded up into a fucking U-Haul van and they were getting ready to attack an entire Pride Parade. It was thirty-one of them mm. were going to attack a Pride Parade. They didn't have guns, but they had weapons and they were ready to beat the shit out of a whole bunch of people who were just there to have a good time with their kids and their families and just have a parade. And they were there, they they were handed there to beat the shit out of them. And well, you know, but we don't talk about that. That doesn't count, right? We're 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 not supposed to we're not supposed to talk about that. We're you know, we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, so, I mean, false flag attacks. Oh God! It, it, also, what is this MAGA month, right? MAGA month, the month that we're all celebrating, loving our country. We have shootings on July fourth. So what? July. So Independence Day is MAGA is now MAGA month, right? July is MAGA month because. Well, because they also what? they always pretend they're the real Americans, and the rest of us are just posers. Which is in anything you read about the the founding fathers would have been would be absolutely appalled by characters like marjorie taylor green appalled they they set the system up specifically to stop people like her from getting into power right pretty much (laughs) yeah specifically to stop people like trump getting into power right that's that's exactly what they feared they feared somebody like trump coming to power and breaking the you know breaking the democratic system well i mean that's that was the original point of the entire electoral college was specifically i mean it's specifically to keep people like Trump out of office. And the Electoral College did not do that, which means the Electoral College is now completely useless. It it was used to enable Trump, and now they're trying to use it to steal elections to further enable people like Trump. And as far as I'm concerned, that means the Electoral College is completely illegitimate and should be erased. You know, if, if, if it can't be used to keep out demagogues, this exact people the founding fathers said that's what it's there for is to keep these crazy people out of power and is instead being used to put them in power then we should definitely be getting rid of it right because there was a whole thing um, when trump was elected in 2016 that there was a whole movement and um, a lot of conservatives were getting behind the movement to use the electoral college to get rid of trump to say yeah we're not going to vote for this guy um but they I mean, did. that was so, its function yeah that's literally yeah, to, its function and it, and it doesn't function like that anymore it doesn't function like that anymore. So yeah, I agree. Get rid of it. It's not democratic anymore. Um, so anyway, Justin, what's your who's your pick for this week's both sides? All right, I got. Uh, I'm reading this is off of um, 
media matters, but we got right wing streamer, right wing streamer Jaron Jackson. Um, now he's running for office in Oklahoma. He's running for a state senate seat. Um, he didn't win his election, but he he's heading for a runoff. But he did win the most votes. Okay, now the reason I like doing these guys is because even though they're like minor nobodies, more or less, it tells you who the Republican base is that they vote for these people and they do it all the time. So Jackson has repeatedly posted anti-Semitic remarks online, including saying that he's quote unquote, not beholden to Jews and listing quote, the Jews as evidence that quote, Evil exists. Okay. So, I mean, this guy is really, really openly anti Semitic. Um, the answer to Zionism or any other ism is the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and the salvation of, for the salvation of sin. I'm not beholden to Jews or any other group. People need to repent and believe the gospel. Hell is going to be hot. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So, you know, he's, he's, just the same type of Jew-hating monster that you you come across all the time, except he runs for Republican office, and they know who he is, and they still vote for him. It's not a deal-breaker for Republican voters when you're right. openly hate, hateful, openly anti-Semitic, openly bigoted. It's not a deal-breaker in any way, shape, or form. If anything, it's a plus. And there's nothing like that on the left. No, there, there really isn't, isn't anything like that on the left. And the fact is, the Republican Party, you know, in in the UK, um, both both the Labour Party and the the Conservatives will kick out anybody who, you know, any racist or anyone who's deemed to be um, in any way like homophobic, transphobic, racist, whatever. They just get kicked out of the party, and the party comes out and says, yeah. No, we don't. We we don't like. We're not. We don't condone this. Get out. Um, but you don't see that on the right anymore. You don't see yeah, now. You, you don't I, see. I, it. I I just want to make it clear. Several years ago, I, I I don't know the exact date, but several years ago, I, I'm going to say like I don't know, maybe eight nine years ago, there was a neo Nazi who ran for the Republican who ran for um a Republican seat. He ran in a primary. Now primaries, anyone can run. Right. There's no way for the Republican Party or, or the Democratic Party to say you are not allowed to run. They, they can't legally stop them from running. OK, mm. so this guy ran and, and I called and I took because I wanted to make sure like what I was reading was actually true. So I called this guy and actually talked to him on the phone. And he was, in fact, a neo-Nazi and wow. he was fucking crazy. But. The Republican Party, and I forgot what to say, it was someplace out, out in the Midwest, but the Republican Party was very clear, and they were like, yeah, we have nothing to do with this guy. We don't want anything to do with this guy. We object to everything he says. We don't support him. Don't associate us with him. Fuck this guy. They were really, really clear about that. And, and I kind of felt bad for them because they, they literally couldn't stop him. Right. They just had to put up with it because you're allowed to do that. Like anyone can run as a Republican. You can't stop them. But they made it super clear. He's not one of us. He's just running under our name and we can't stop him. But screw that guy. 
Don't vote for him. Ignore him. Vote for this guy who's not a ranting lunatic neo-Nazi. And that was then. These days, they don't do that. Nada, they don't. Nothing. They don't. Yeah, they don't spit on these people. They don't shut them down. They don't turn them away. They don't denounce them. They just kind of go, eh, you know, whatever. He got the votes. That's fine. Yeah. Right, and I think that's again that's the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, both sides are certainly not the same. Um, no, the Democratic leadership would 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 basically come out and say an unequivocal. They would have a heart attack. Yeah, if someone did that. Yeah, and they would like they would publicly denounce them. They would you know ensure that they were shunned from yeah, from all sorts of Democratic events. That no money, no nothing. Like that. That's how you sort of maintain. Um, order, and that's how you maintain the kind of integrity of a, of a political party or a move, whatever it is you've got, right? You, you, so like that's what Keir Starmer did in the UK. So Jeremy Corbyn um, did not really take anti-Semitism in the Labour Party very seriously, right? There was anti-Semitism was rife in the Labour Party. I actually know people who left the Labour Party uh, because of anti-Semitism, and. So when Keir Starmer took over the Labour Party, that he just basically raised the party. He just said, right, like he he expelled Jeremy Corbyn from the party uh, for not dealing with the situation correctly. Um, he did. There was there were a number of measures that he took to ensure the public understood exactly where he stood on on anti-Semitism and how it was just not tolerable at all. Uh, and now, you know, he's widely perceived as having done a good job. And now there's there's some trust restored in the Labour Party. Uh, right. And it's someone that, I, you know, I think that my family, for example, found themselves, some members of my family were unable to vote for Labour. They found themselves unable to vote for Labour because of the anti-Semitic stuff uh, in the party. So, you know... Um, the Republican Party does none of this stuff, and that's what they've done. like you like you alluded to earlier. Like this is the monster that they've created. They've created an absolute monster, and there's little now that they can do to. They can't put the monster back in the bag. They can't hide the monster anymore. This is what the Republican Party is. It's it's a fascist party, uh, and the Republicans who are still hanging around, pretending that you know it's politics as usual, are lying to themselves. They're deluded. And I think the faster, like, you know, Liz Cheney, I think is, is, um, I, I don't agree with her on anything, but she, that's what the Republican party was, right. Was a kind of Liz Cheney type people, right. Yeah. Which, Are, you know, that doesn't mean they're great, but at least they weren't this. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's a, there's, there's a qualitative difference here. So, and Liz Cheney, I, I don't regard, Liz Cheney should not be regarded as a Republican. I don't think. Right, she's she's something else, right? She's not what the, the Republican Party is. The MAGA Party now, right? It's synonymous with the MAGA movement, uh, and any other conservative who isn't in line with Trump should, you know, break off, go and create another party because I don't know what this is now, but it's a monster. They've created a monster, and and you know, um, the, the idea that there is any equivalence between the two parties now is just ridiculous. So. Anyhow, that's our show for oh, today. Wait, hold on, Ben. Before we finish, I want to do a quick shout out for my girl Lila. Okay. Um, she, she, she. In, I'm so proud of her. She uh, was explaining to me. So I've been telling her for years about the whole thing with the men rights movement, about alpha males and beta males, and all that stupidity that she's going to have to put up with sometime down the road. And a couple of days ago, she informed me that there's a new thing. Well, it's not that new, but it's kind of 
getting into the mainstream now called the Sigma male, which is now a fight between alpha males and Sigma males. And it's the stupidest thing ever. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because it's just ridiculous, but it's very funny to look at and read about. And these people are morons, but I was not aware of it at all. And she knew all about it and she'd been watching about it and reading about it. I'm super proud of her that she taught me something. The student is now the teacher. And I'm so very proud of her that yeah, at 14 years old, she's still really keeping her nose into this stuff. And it's not just me telling her about it. She's getting into it on her own. And she taught me something new. And I'm very proud of her. So I just wanted to share that with the audience. Go, Lila. Good. Yeah, great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you got to These these kids are. That's the future, right? So, oh yes, <laughs> teach yeah. teach them young, and they will learn, and then they will resist becoming Republican. All right, okay, all right, everybody. Well, listen. Thanks very much for listening. We're going to go into the members only section uh, now, where I'm going to attempt to explain to Justin why he should take cryptocurrencies very seriously, why I believe it's the future of money, why most people don't really understand what it is. Uh, or why it's important and they think it's a big giant Ponzi scheme and uh, gambling casino, which it, it, there is an element of that. But I'm going to go into why I think um, it's, it's actually very serious and very important. And you're going to, Justin is going to probably mock me uh, relentlessly for my for my opinions. But uh, if you're interested, <laughs> if you're interested in that, and I know this is a bit of a, a, a weird um, members-only podcast, but it's kind of important. I've been paying huge amounts of attention to crypto for the past five years. I don't really talk about it that much because of the uh, the association, right? You get the Crypto Bro Association is is particularly toxic. So, and there's a lot of toxicity in, in the crypto world. So, um, anyhow. I am going to go, uh, we're going to move into the members only section. If you'd like to listen, you can join us there. You can get two month free trial by clicking on the link in the, in the email and we'll see you there. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Adios.